Uh, gracious Heavenly Father, uh, we pray this afternoon that you would uh, search our hearts, uh, help us to be honest about the things that we love and treasure, and help us to uh, be honest about how they compare to our Lord Jesus Christ and the great treasures that he offers us. Uh, help me to be faithful and clear, and help us all to be attentive to your word, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so here at uh, Darabin Presbyterian, we've been working our th- way through Jesus' most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, in this sermon, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples, right? people who are already Christians. Uh, they already uh, know and, and trust in the gospel. Uh, that's the, the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. So he's talking to Christians and he's explaining to them what it looks like, not just to believe that gospel, uh, but to live it out in every part of their life. Uh, so he's touching on a whole lot of different topics. Uh, and today, uh, we put our heads together and thought, when you've got a bunch of uh, family and friends who don't normally go to church, what do you want to talk about? Uh, but money and possessions, right? So, Sorry, uh, that was a joke. But uh, uh, so, uh, so that's what we're doing today. Jesus is coming to this section uh, where he's talking about our approach to money and possessions. Uh, so before we look at the passage, uh, let me ask... Uh, let me ask you to reflect on this question. The question that uh, perhaps Dan asked you to reflect on, uh, which is, what would you say is your greatest treasure? This passage has a lot to say about treasures. What, what is it that's precious to you? What is it that you uh, value most? Uh, maybe it's an actual possession that you have. Money, food, clothing, cars, uh, a piece of land, a particular house, uh, coffee, coffee machine, Right? Maybe it's a family heirloom. Right? It's very precious to you. It's, it's, it's a great treasure. Uh, but there are other treasures, right? They're, they're not possessions. Uh, you might think, oh, look, I, I treasure my family, my friends, my spouse, my career, the, the influence that I have, the achievements. Uh, I treasure my independence, my autonomy. That's what I treasure. I treasure my reputation, my health. I treasure my life itself. That's my greatest treasure. We can treasure all sorts of things. But as you search your own life, what is your greatest treasure? What would you say is precious to you? What is it that you value most? As you consider that a little, let me draw your attention to this passage. In the passage, we're going to see three things. Uh, They're there on the inside of the Connect card, that blue sheet you got on your way in. Uh, Three simple points, I think. Uh, First, we're going to see that what you treasure determines what you love. Second, uh, what you love determines what you see. And third, what you see determines what you serve. You can see the flow there. So those three things. Uh, So first, what you treasure uh, determines what you love. Now, I know in your mind, perhaps, in, in my mind even, uh, the idea of treasuring something is very closely connected with loving something, isn't it? Uh, but I am separating them here because in, look at verse 21. Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right, so, so what you treasure, what, what, what's precious to you, what's valuable to you, uh, that person or thing uh, will determine the position of your heart. It'll determine what you love. Now, I know that when we hear the word heart, I think we tend to think about warm, fuzzy feelings. We think about emotions and and romance and love songs and poetry and all that kind of thing, and that's wonderful. Uh, But in the Bible, the heart is a whole lot more than that. Right In the Bible, the heart is like the headquarters of your being. It's the control center that drives everything that you do. So what Jesus is saying here is that what you treasure will end up driving your whole life. 
Maybe it'll shape every, every decision you make. It'll shape everything you do. So maybe you're starting to get the sense that it's pretty important to consider who or what you treasure because what you treasure has a, has a far-reaching influence. And maybe it's hard for you to answer that question. What is, what is your greatest treasure? So I just, I just want to give you a, a couple of litmus tests. Uh, really, I think there are three main things that all of us have a limited amount of. You, you might be able to think of others. That's okay. It's not a test. Uh, but uh, time, money, and energy. Right? Most of it, all of us have a limited amount of those things. Uh, so one litmus test of what you treasure is your diary. Right? It's the, the calendar on your phone, if you're like me. Because I, I don't know anyone who doesn't make time for the things that are most important to them. Pretty much everyone uh, makes the time for the things that they really want to do. They give the bulk of their energy to those things. They make their biggest sacrifices for those things. They bear the largest costs for the people or things that they treasure. That's just how we work. So if you were to get your diary out right now, doing a kind of to do a bit of an audit of how you use your time, I wonder what it would tell you about what you treasure. Where is it that you invest the bulk of your time, your energy? What do you make your biggest sacrifices for? Usually that, that is what you treasure in reality. And now, of course, you might like to think that you treasure someone and something else. I'm not the kind of person who treasures that. No, no, I, I treasure this, right? But, but uh, the diary kind of tells it. The diary doesn't lie often. It, it tells a different story. Hey, here's another litmus test, right? I said before, uh, time, energy, and money. Oh, you might have lots of money. You, know, I might, you, you might not have that much at all. But all of us have a limited amount of money. So a reasonable litmus test of what we treasure is our bank statement. Well, pretty much everyone spends their money on the people or things that they treasure. Now, I'm sure you can think of lots of things that are more altruistic for you and you're spending money, right? But in general, we spend the money on, on things that are most important to us. Right? So I wonder if you were to kind of bring up your, your latest bank statement right now, have a little bit of a look at it on your phone perhaps, uh, what do you think it would tell you about what you treasure? Once again, you, you might like to think that you treasure someone or something else, but maybe your bank statement tells a different story. Right, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your treasure determines what you love. It'll, it'll get a grip on your heart. It'll control, in the end, your whole life. So it's really important to choose your treasure wisely. That's what verses 19 and 20 are about. Right? Jesus contrasts two types of treasure. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Right? The contrast is pretty clear. Treasures on earth, treasures in heaven. And I think if you take Jesus' advice, it's a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it? Like you'd, you'd, you'd choose treasures in heaven. Treasures on earth, they're insecure and temporary and fleeting. They can be destroyed and stolen. They can be tarnished. And they can be taken away in a moment. I think kind of GFC in, in 2008. So Jesus says, why would you treasure things like that? Why would you stake your life on things like that? When you could treasure heavenly things, treasures that are secure and eternal, that can never be taken away. So let me ask you again. I wonder if your treasure, 
right? That, that personal thing perhaps you've been thinking about. Uh, can your treasure be taken from you? I wonder if someone could steal your treasure or, or destroy it in some way. Could, could someone tarnish it? Could the bank repossess it? Could your treasure grow old and frail and die? Right? Jesus says, don't make your treasure uh, something that, that, that your treasure, that the thing that, that you think, oh, I just couldn't live without that. Right? Don't make your treasure something that can be taken from you. Right? Choose your treasure wisely, Jesus says. Don't set your heart purely on the treasures of this world. Set your heart on heavenly treasures. In particular, on the God who generously made and gave you all the other treasures that you enjoy. Ah, but Jesus knows, he's realistic, he knows that most of us won't do that. And he knows our hearts, he knows that most of us want to enjoy all God's good gifts, the treasures of this world, we love this world, uh, but we don't really want God, the giver of the gifts. That's how we work. I've said this before, uh, you know, my, my daughter Ada, uh, she's four years old, and on her birthday, on Christmas, uh, she gets the gift, and you don't really mind in a four-year-old if she doesn't really care about the giver. I mean, you're trying to teach her, you know, say thank you, open the card first, because that's what counts, you know. But like really, four-year-old, you're like, okay, there's a certain level of maturity, uh, you, you turn, a, turn a blind eye kind of thing, right? But, but in, in a 34-year-old, in me, you'd expect more, wouldn't you? You'd expect the person to not just be thankful for the gift, but also the giver. Right? Spiritually speaking, most of us are four-year-olds still. We're all over the treasures, all over the gifts, but we don't have much time for God, the giver. We, have, we enjoy all the treasures of this world, but not the one who gives the treasures. So, for example, we treasure things like money and the things we can get from money, things like power and status and security. And Jesus says, because we treasure those things, our hearts will be drawn away from God. Because what you treasure determines what you love. That's the first point. The second point is uh, that what you love determines what you see. That's what that uh, slightly odd illustration is about in verses 22 and 23. If you have a look there, uh, Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. Uh, If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if, if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Uh, many of you know, but uh, probably not everyone, uh, that I've got some issues with my, with my eyes. Right? My eyes are not healthy eyes. I've got this genetic eye condition, it's called RP. And what happens in RP uh, is that over time, the cells in your retina at the back of uh, your eye, uh, they gradually thin. And then in the end, they can die, not all the time, but if they die, of course, they're no longer able to receive light. And so you live your life in darkness. The lamp of your body has gone out. Now, at this stage, the cells in my retinas are just thinning a bit, right? I'm not going to be bright next week and, and probably not next year either. Uh, not for a while, right? But when I read this, I do resonate with it because Jesus is saying uh, something similar here, not uh, about our physical eyes, but about our spiritual eyes. He's saying, uh, because see, uh, I guess the word healthy here uh, can also mean open. It can mean clear. It can mean generous. So Jesus is saying, if your eyes are healthy, right? if you are a generous and open and giving person, you're a giver, not a taker. 
spiritually you'll see clearly. Right? And the result of that is that your whole body, your whole life will be filled with a, a certain light that brings life and health. Generosity is better than greed. I think we, most, we mostly know that, right? And so Jesus says, on the other hand, if your eyes are unhealthy, if you're stingy or closed, if you're a greedy person, at best, spiritually, you'll have blurred vision. And at worst, you'll be blind. Your whole body, your whole life will be full of this darkness, a spiritual darkness that starts now and could last forever. That's what Jesus is saying. So greed has this way of blinding us. That's why very few people ever admit to being greedy. I don't know if you've noticed that. I'm not that old, but I've been in Christian ministry for about at least 12 years. I've heard people confess lots of different things. Lust, anger, theft, gossip, lying, different kinds of violence, lots of things. But I've never heard anyone confess to being greedy. Ever. No one wants to be greedy. Because greed is inherently blinding. That's what Jesus is saying here. Greed messes with your vision. You get blinkered. You get tunnel vision. You can't even see your own greed. Your eyes are unhealthy. What you treasure determines what you love. What you love determines what you see. Those are the first two. And third, what you see determines uh, what you serve. Have a look in verse 24. Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, at this point, I just want to flick up a picture of uh, Gollum. Is that a little random? Here here he is. Uh, Hopefully, uh, most of us are pretty familiar with this character from The Lord of the Rings. Uh, His name's Gollum. And uh, you'll probably remember uh, that one day uh, in the course of the history of Middle-earth, right, Gollum uh, comes into possession of a ring of power. Right? He has, has this ring of power for, for a number of years. And do you remember what Gollum calls the ring? Call it out. He's precious. Right? He's precious. The ring is Gollum's treasure. It's precious to him. He loves the ring. His heart is gripped by the ring. And you notice what happens in his life. Because he loves the ring, he's blinded by the ring. He just cannot see anything else. And because he's blinded by it, he's mastered by it. He's enslaved by the ring. His whole life is dominated by the ring. And even though his life, you can see him there, he's not, he's not, looking, not looking that good, right? Even though his life is being destroyed by the ring, he still has to have it. It's his precious it's his treasure. That's a pretty good illustration of this passage. Right? What you treasure determines what you love. What you love determines what you see. And what you see determines what you serve. That's what Jesus is saying in verse 24. What you're mastered by. What, what controls your life. Now we can take Gollum off now. Right? And Jesus, of course, is zooming in on, on these earthly treasures. On, on the way that money and possessions can control our life. He's saying if you treasure money, you'll love money. In fact, your, your heart will be so gripped by the thought of getting more money that you'll be blinded to the fact that money is mastering you. It's controlling your whole life. You're enslaved to it. Uh, can we put up that, that next slide? Uh, uh, one of the cards I have in my wallet, oh, that's not my card, literally, right? But one of the cards I have in my wallet is a MasterCard. Oh, you, you've probably got a credit card of some sort. 
Uh, MasterCard. Have you ever thought about that uh, that name, MasterCard? Uh, the, the, I assume the idea, the marketing around it, uh, is that if I have this card, I am the master. Well, I assume that's the idea. Like, if I have the card, I am in complete control. I'm the master of my destiny. I call the shots. I have a MasterCard. Right? That's the point. Of course, the truth is that for most of us, the card controls us. Isn't it true? The card is the master. Not us. That's why currently there's about 16 million credit cards in Australia. I looked up during the week. A total debt of about $32 billion. Oh, we're so in control. Oh, you can take that one down too. Right, but you see the point. If you treasure money, you'll love it. If you love money, it'll, it'll be all you see. You'll be blinded by it. And if you're blinded by money, you'll serve money. You'll be devoted to money. And notice Jesus' words in verse 24. He says, because you're mastered by money, you'll hate and despise anyone or anything which gets in the way of you getting more money. Right? Including God. Because like Gollum with his ring, you can only serve one master. You cannot serve God and money. Which is why I'm not worried about talking about money, right? Because if I care about all of your spiritual life, then Jesus is saying you've got to care about how people approach money. Because it can dominate your life in a very unique way, right? Now, of course, you might say, but, but I'm not mastered by anything. I know I'm the master of my life, but I, I just don't think that's true. Because I'm pretty convinced that God created each of us to treasure and love and serve him. That's kind of built into our DNA. So if we don't, treasure and love and serve God, we'll treasure and love and serve something else. We'll find something else to be devoted to. Something else to worship. And Jesus is saying that whatever that thing is, whatever we choose to treasure apart from God, that personal thing will end up enslaving us. It'll master us. It'll control us. Oh, let's pick up that last slide, slide the, the quote from um, David Foster Wallace. Oh, this guy isn't a Christian. Like He grew up around Christianity uh, in America, uh, but was not, not a Christian. Uh, and this is what he said. Uh, he says, uh, In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, uh, there's actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And an outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God or or spiritual type thing to worship uh, is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. For example, if you worship money and things, if if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. You see what he's saying? He's saying... The choice of not treasuring something, not worshipping something, that choice, it's just not on the table. Like we like to think it is, but it's not. The choice is of what we worship. All of us will treasure and love and serve something. The only question is who or what. Let's take that down now. And you might say, well, if that's true, I mean, even if that is true, I certainly don't treasure money or possessions. Right? I'm not one of those greedy people. 
Now, we've already heard what greed does to our sight and how we see ourselves, but you know, that, that, that we can say that, right? Like those people, because you know, like those people earn uh, like more than me, and their house is better, and, and they buy nicer stuff, and so they're the greedy ones. Like that, that, that this is an issue for them, but not so much for me. Uh, so uh, as you say, like I, I'm not a greedy person. I don't love money, and maybe you're right. Uh, you might not treasure money, uh, but maybe you do treasure what money promises you, uh, what money offers you as your master. Uh, you could, uh, I could go lots of places here, but I think some of us uh, love the promise of money. Uh, the main promise we love is power. Uh, you feel stuck in the circumstances of your life. Uh, you long to be a person of more influence, to be able to pull more strings, uh, to be able to click your fingers and have stuff happen. Uh, and you see that money promises that. If only I had this little bit more money, it would make all the difference. I, I'd, be, I'd have power to, to completely change my circumstances. And so that's what we love. Money promises that. We lap it up. Give me the power. Other people don't so much, if they're not on about power so much, they want the status. It's all about the status. right? So they've got the money, but they spend lots of it on themselves. Lots of outward symbols of their wealth. Food, wine, clothes, jewellery, long, beautiful holidays. Uh, an incredible home, right? Uh, but, it, but it's not enough just to have all that stuff. All of it uh, has to be uh, circulated in some way uh, on social media, typically these days, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, some other social media, or maybe if you're a bit more old school, you know, you send around the Christmas letter, this is where we went this year, or that, that kind of thing, like here's all our exotic overseas travels, right? And the whole point of that is that it, what's, what's the point in having stuff or doing stuff if it doesn't increase your social status, Right, it's got to lead to you being accepted into a new social circle because it's all about climbing the ladder. Right, that's what money offers you. It offers you uh, the opportunity for increased status, and so you treasure it. It's not money in and of itself. It's a means to an end. Uh, for others, uh, it's about control and security. Oh, I'm more in this camp. But these are the people who uh, spend virtually no money. Well, what are you doing with your money? You're like, I've got to save the way. It's invested wisely. It's kind of under the mattress, like that kind of person. Like, you know. And, and you talk to this person, and they'll say that they don't treasure money at all. Not like those greedy people. Like they're frivolously, frivolously spending money. Not me, right? Like oh, I don't love money at all. Uh, but let me tell you, try getting money off that person. Well, I'm a, Presby- I'm a Presbyterian minister. I can say that. The Scottish people have a reputation for kind of uh, tight fists, right? Like, so try getting money. You cannot get money off them. Because it gives them the security and control that they crave. They can't give any money away. They've got to have it. It's the security blanket in life. So you can see that this passage, Jesus is giving us a choice. He's saying you've got two treasures, earthly or heavenly. Two visions, greedy or generous. And two masters, money or God. I wonder what your choice is. And let's say uh, you actually want to make a change from being uh, mastered by money to being mastered by God. How would you make that change? Especially if you recognise that the money really does have a grip on your heart in lots of ways. Well, honestly, you can only make that change uh, if uh, what Jesus offers you is a greater treasure, is much more precious to you than what money offers you. That's the only way it'll happen. It won't happen by kind of religious effort or, or kind of kind of accountability, check boxes. Right? It'll happen if your heart it, it treasures Jesus and what he's done more 
than it treasures money. You see, Gollum looked at his ring and he said, my precious. He said, I have to have you no matter what the cost, even if it kills me. That's what Gollum said. And we look at money and the things we can have for money and we say, my precious. But I have to have this money, this power, this status, this security, really, no matter what the cost. Even if it kills my relationships, my integrity, my ethics, uh, even if it kills my faith in God, you see. Why don't you go to church anymore? Oh, work got really busy. Why did you have to go to work so much? Oh, just had to earn more money. But money, money came first. You have to have it, no matter what the cost. Right, so you see, that, that ring and money are two very ordinary masters. Right, I'm saying everyone's mastered by something. You've just got to make a choice of, of which master. I'm saying that Gollum's ring and money are, are pretty ordinary. Jesus is a much better master. If you're going to choose a master, choose Jesus. Because as the Son of God, Jesus had immense treasure. Right? Unimaginable power, he had status, he had security, and yet he looked at you and I and said, you're precious to me. That's what he said. He said, you're so precious, I, I have to have you no matter what the cost, even if it kills me, and it did, didn't it? That's the message of the gospel. Jesus becomes a human being, he's stripped of every mark of his glory, he's poor, he's homeless, he's naked, he's nailed to the cross for our sins. So we can be forgiven for all the times when we love earthly treasures much more than heavenly treasures. So let me say, if you're a Christian, Christ is your master. Verse 24, he's the Lord who you serve. But be encouraged, he's far and away the best master. Far and away, because he served you first. You might make some sacrifices for Christ. But let's be honest, any sacrifice you do make, even, uh, even if it's a big financial sacrifice or some other sacrifice, it will seem like nothing if you understand the heavenly treasures, the great treasures that you've already got in knowing Christ. But I said before, money promises you power, uh, but in knowing Christ you get real power. Well, you might have some power in this world from uh, being in a job or some committee or a position, uh, and that's wonderful for a moment, but it won't last. If you want real power, know Christ, the king in God's kingdom. And you'll live with him and reign with him forever and ever. Get serious about power. That's a position of influence. Money promises status, but in, in knowing Christ, you get real status. Not some temporary status of being accepted into that, that group or that, that kind of platform. right? The eternal status of being a precious child of God. That can, that can never be taken away. Money promises security, but in knowing Christ, you have real security. I know the false sense of security we get from our superannuation or that inheritance that we're looking forward to. But the real security of knowing that as a child of God, uh, we've got a heavenly inheritance. Right? Eternal life in a new heavens and new earth that can never be taken away. Right? Why would you settle for earthly treasures when you could have heavenly treasures? Now, let me read these verses from Matthew chapter 13. A few chapters later, Jesus says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. 
Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for a fine pearl. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, selling everything he had, it's a bit of a sacrifice. But these people got it, didn't they? When you discover heavenly treasures, when you discover what you have in knowing Christ and being a part of his kingdom, well, you just give it up. Why would you want to hold on to all those earthly treasures when you have Christ and his kingdom, you see? So there it is, two treasures, two visions and two masters. Uh, What choice will you make? Let me pray. Uh, Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you care about every part of our lives. Uh, everything that uh, I guess might grip our hearts and, and perhaps drag us away from you, uh, being a, uh, knowing Christ and being a part of his kingdom. Uh, we thank you for these words uh, that Christ speaks uh, about our approach to money and possessions. Uh, we pray that our heart would be gripped more and more uh, by Christ, who he is and what he's done and the glories of his kingdom, that we would treasure him, that that would lead us to have a clear spiritual vision. And to be open and generous people, because we have Christ and, and every treasure in knowing him, we can give things away. Because our power and status and security is no longer attached to our stuff. And Lord, I do pray that we would uh, find Christ uh, to be a wonderful uh, master, uh, the Lord who we serve, uh, the one who served us by giving his life for us. Uh, we pray in his name. Amen.